You're listening to hashtag no filter with Zach Pita. That's me. And I have a guilty confession to make, um, and I'm hoping you guys can help me out with this one. So there's someone in my life, um, and not by choice, that I bought a really nice gift for for Christmas. Um, trying to get on her good side. We have to work together, um, and I'm, you know, trying to get on her good side. Um, but the other day, she kind of like really pissed me off by really just being herself and it kind of gets down to the root of why we don't get along. So now I'm considering uh, getting her another gift and maybe a gift that isn't as nice as the gift that I originally got her. Um, And I just, I don't know. Is that mean? Should I give her the gift? Should I give it to someone that's a little more deserving? I don't know. So I'm hoping somebody can offer me a little advice. Tell me. Have you ever, you know, moved someone to your naughty list, given them a cheaper gift? Basically, you know, just because they're they're kind of they're kind of awful. Help me out. Tweet me at just plain Zach. Yes, that is a plug. But tell me, yay, nay, I don't, I don't know. And Christmas is right around the corner, and I'm like, do I give her this gift? Do I not? I don't know. So give me your advice. But one thing I do know, one thing I am sure of, is that there's this new book that I've been reading. And it's really good. It's been my delight and it's gotten me through the past couple of days. It's called The Art of Living Other People's Lives. And it's, it's, it literally has hit every single emotion inside of me. I mean, I've gone from trying, from desperately trying to figure out why I'm single to diagnosing myself with James Franco syndrome to kind of sort of finding Jesus to motivating myself to keep pursuing my passions to just an overall good time. And I'm I'm digging it, and I'm really excited because I have the author uh, I have the author on the show today. He is the managing editor of Elite Daily, a site that, as many of you know, I'm pretty much obsessed with. Um, so, without further ado, please welcome the author of The Art of Living Other People's Lives, Greg Dybeck. <laughs> How's it going, Zach? Good. How are you? I'm great. This is awesome. You're actually one of the few people I get to speak with that has actually read the book so very cool i i totally am like i've been loving the book i mean it's funny it's relatable like it's it's actually it's really it's really good it's refreshing it's light but like you have the moments where you sprinkle in you know a little bit of advice like i'm into you gotta you gotta have the moments exactly and the moments like fit perfectly like nothing's forced (laughs) like i'm totally like i fell in love with your mom and your grandma oh like, it was just, like, I feel like I met your family. I know your family. I'm like, when am I coming over for dinner? You're coming over for Christmas, right? <laughs> yes. And then I have, and then I could just totally avoid giving What's-Her-Face that gift. There you go. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate the, that, though. That's awesome to hear. So, congrats on the book deal. Running Press, which is huge. Um, yeah, I loved I loved the book. It's literally the inner dialogue that I have with myself every day. <laughs> So um, yeah, no, I mean the the goal is for it to be relatable. So really good to hear. Absolutely. So walk. I want you to walk me through how you got here because you're 25. Um, so walk me through like landing your job at Elite Daily and getting Twitter vi- verified and then landing your <laughs> deal with Running Press because Running Press is pretty big. So like talk me through the process and how we got to having this lovely conversation today, Greg. Sure. Well. 
you definitely just made me feel bad because I'm not 25 anymore. And I think that goes to show oh, no. how long and drawn out the book publishing process could be. I started <laughs> writing exhausting. it when I was 25, but I actually just turned 27 in November. So, Oh, wow. That's, uh, that's, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of these stories have been in existence for you know a little while. There are stories that I kind of had I've been working on. Um, so it's, you know, there's definitely that age range that you hit within the book as well, which is interesting. Yeah, but. I mean, but you have a lot going on. I mean, aside from a world tour with platinum selling records, I feel like you're borderline Justin Bieber status. <laughs> is that fair, fair to say? Uh, I don't know if anyone who writes books could be Justin Bieber status. But <laughs> the goal is to make books that cool. So we'll see. But So yeah, talk me through it. So, uh, so how did you land your job at Elite Daily? Yeah. So at that point, I was, uh, I had just turned 24. So really, that was uh, kind of one of those true New York startup stories, I'd say. Uh, I had a pretty secure job um, within the digital realm. I was doing some work with a content creation company, getting to collaborate with Google on a lot of projects. So, mm-hmm. you know, throwing out the Google name left and right, <laughs> thought I had it made. Uh, but I think like most people, I came across Elite um, the same way, you know, they do, which is Facebook. It's just starting to pop up all over Facebook. And it hadn't, you know, come close to reaching its peak at that point, but it definitely piqued my interest. So I, you know, inquired about uh, any, you know, open positions. Uh, I was called in. It was pretty informal, uh, but I met the two founders. And at that point, it was, you know, maybe 15 to 20 people in a dark room, small sort of shared office space in, in midtown Manhattan. Uh, and they were really just starting to make waves. So it's funny, they always joke uh, that I was the first person who actually submitted a resume to get a job <laughs> there. Because before that, it was really just friends of friends, uh, people who dropped out of college to make this thing work. So what it was, was a risk for sure, but really uh, just an exciting opportunity, I think, to work with people my own age, to build something from the ground up. I really connected with the founders and their vision. I think they really just wanted to disrupt this, you know, digital media realm. There really wasn't a site out there that was speaking, you know, to millennials in an honest, you know, casual way. And it it really reading one of their articles, it feels like, you know, talking to a friend. Uh, So that that definitely appealed to me. It feels like talking to myself. (laughs) <laughs> like when I wake up in the morning and I'm like ruminating on everything that I haven't yet accomplished in bed while I'm trying to get myself into the shower, like the articles are just so relatable. Right. And and that was the goal, especially in the early stages. It's you know, content meetings were as simple as let's sit around a couch. Like what, what is your inner dialogue right now? What are the questions that you're asking yourself that you might be afraid to say out loud and really just digging deep and uh, not being ashamed to kind of say those things? And, and that's a way that we developed a lot of those, you know, lifestyle articles, dating articles. It's just what are, what are people thinking but not saying? And, you know, how can we say those things or offer up a platform to, you know, give people, you know, a voice to, to voice their own opinions? So it was, again, a risk, but a risk that seemed uh, worth taking. Yeah, it it definitely paid off. So circling back to the book really quickly, so what would you you say is your one big takeaway that you want people to read the book and walk away with from from the art of living other people's lives? Uh, That's a good question. it's. I, I think for me, uh, and I say it in the introduction of the book a little bit. It was. 
you know, sort of a confession. I'm definitely someone who, you know, for the people who know me, uh, just kind of in my everyday life, I'm very calm, composed, uh, able to keep my emotions to myself. Don't, you know, don't show too much. And it's, I got to a point, uh, especially working in digital media, where you are kind of expected to just be that, you know, tech savvy, always on, you know, Instagram filter type of person. Right. Uh, and it didn't feel completely honest. So I think the book for me and, and the takeaway that I would want for readers is to, you know, not try to hide any anxieties, insecurities that you may have, questions, you know, larger questions that you may have. I think, you know, our generation especially, we can have a tendency to sweep those things under the rug or, you know, put a filter over them or, you know, not really address those things. So the book was, yeah, as much as it's, you know, should be entertainment, it was definitely therapeutic for me, I think, in that way to explore some of my own insecurities and moments that uh, I wouldn't say I regret, but, you know, interesting moments where I definitely learned lessons or maybe made some mistakes along the way. So I think just, you know, own own those situations in your life. I think there's always lessons to be learned um, and and you shouldn't have regrets. Absolutely. So what tip, do you have any tips for any aspiring writers or any tips for aspiring elite daily writers? Yeah. um, (laughs) I think, you know, same for both write a lot. Obviously I think when it comes to, you know, elite daily, if you're trying to break into digital media, um, you know, or be a, a writer, establish your voice, uh, connect with as many people as possible. I think that's key. It's uh, definitely a smaller industry than it appears. I think with media, especially in New York, you run into, you know, a lot of the same people uh, or the person that you contact or send your resume to, you, you may end up working with down the line. So really just make your voice heard. Um, reach out to as many people, even if there's, you know, not job openings online, because a lot of yeah. times, you know, especially for us, if the right voice comes along, if someone who's there's someone who's willing to, you know, really experiment, think outside the box. Uh, that's, that's talent that we're going to you know, want on our team. We're going to want that person to grow you know, with us. So uh, we, we could create a job for them in a sense. Uh, nice. And I think when it comes to, you know, book writing, the, the biggest thing I learned throughout this process has just been learning to get comfortable in you know, uncomfortable situations, learning to, you know, write on the go, wake up early, stay up late, say no to friends if you have to, and, you know, really just keep grinding it out uh, and, you know, perfect your craft as much as you can. Absolutely. I think that's, I mean, that is the key to, to being successful. You have to be willing to give up those nights and to, to work a little harder. And that really weeds out the people that don't really want it. Right. I I think my mom, dare I give her credit for it? No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) Gave me the best advice, and that was obstacles are only put in your path to prove how badly you want something. Mm -hmm. And I think think it's true. Yeah, no, I I couldn't agree with that more. Um, It's it's definitely a a journey where you learn a lot about yourself and how far you can push yourself. Absolutely. Okay, so I want to do a segment that we like to do on the show each week it's called hashtag trending and it's where we pull a hashtag that's trending on twitter right now and we make you come up with not necessarily a tweet but you address the hashtag cool okay so the hashtag i picked for this week which is trending on twitter right now is hashtag lie of the year so i want to know yeah so i want to know what's the biggest lie you've told this year So, like for me or probably not the biggest lie, but I guess it is a pretty big lie. I told my grandma that I was sick with food poisoning when <laughs> I may have just been really hungover. 
but I was so convincing that I actually, to this day, think I may have had food poisoning. And it was not the vodka. Uh, Let's see. The biggest lie I've told this year. Um, (laughs) This uh, this just reminds me of a really funny story, um, just because he said vodka. Probably (laughs) the biggest, most obvious lie, maybe that one that I've even told in my life. Um, I had a night where, you know, definitely drank a little too much. I think it was like an office party or something. Um, came home, actually, well, called my girlfriend a hundred times who I live with because I couldn't find my key. And every time she picked up, she, uh, <laughs> I wasn't at the door, but I was at someone's door, but just not that door. Uh. Somehow I eventually found my way home. Um, so tired. It's probably like, 4 a.m., really just want to go to sleep because I have work the next day. And she tells me, you're not getting in the bed unless you shower because you're disgusting and I don't know where you've been. So (laughs) the way she tells the story is hilarious. But apparently I really didn't want to shower. So I turned the shower on (laughs) and then just stomped around my apartment for about 10 minutes, just like ripping through the cabinets, eating food, doing whatever I was doing, went in, shut the shower off, oh my God. tried to get into bed and just and lied she to didn't her face buy it. and told her I showered. And she said, I heard you walking around the <laughs> entire apartment. I don't know why that's the first story that came to mind. But. Oh my God. That's hysterical. <laughs> we're, we're great liars, right? Especially well, when we're drunk. You might be. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I wanted, I asked a couple of people to submit some questions that I was hoping that you can offer a little insight as someone, you know, that's that's gone through most of your 20s. Oof, that makes, makes me feel very old, but let's do it. <laughs> okay, so these are millennial life hacks from Greg. The first one, okay, so the first one I have... Really, the first one's from me. I want to know, Greg, what's your advice for dealing with difficult coworkers? And what Mm. do you think I should do about this gift mess that I have? Yeah. Uh, No, I I think you have to kill them with kindness. I think... Uh, uh, I have to be a bigger person? I think so. I think a lot of times it's just miscommunication. And, you know, once you guys maybe really get to know each other or spend some time, or if you're the bigger person and you kind of initiate that you know they'll, they'll probably end up being pretty I've good friends tried, tolerate each i've other. tried for months greg i've tried for months Oof. well and i even I tried to so offer i offered the olive branch with a nice christmas gift and now i'm like shit now i feel like i have to return it because you got taken off my nice list so why don't you use since you bought the gift already that should be the last olive branch that okay. you throw out there see okay see how she enough. reacts to that Okay, fair enough. I think that's a nice break. Okay, next question uh, it comes from Liz, and Liz wants to know, why do I still stalk my ex and his new girlfriend on Instagram? Why, Greg, Ooh. why? I think because Instagram makes it so easy to do that, and uh, you're, not, you're definitely not alone in that. Have um, you done it? Honestly, not really, no. I... I'm not just saying that because my girlfriend's going to listen to this, but <laughs> no, I just, I think early on, cause you know, I've been in some relationships, some good, some bad. Uh, but I realized, you know, now that I'm old and wise that you just, you have to get out of that, you know, purgatory where you're still thinking about that person checking, you know, their Instagrams. It's like anything, you know, yeah. if you wean yourself off eventually, 
you stop thinking about it or you get preoccupied with something else. So I think I've gotten, you know, really good at you know, letting the past be the past. So what are we supposed to do? Block them, unfriend them? Yeah, I think, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If, if you feel like it's, you know, toxic or there's a right. reason you're not still talking to this person, then yeah, I think. Have you, you know, ever blocked I'll, somebody in a previous, re- that you've been in a relationship with? Um, no, but they've definitely blocked me. I've come to what? realize. <laughs> Did you break their heart? That's block worthy. I think it's been it's been mutual, but no, I think same thing. <laughs> I think you just come to a point and you realize, you know, it's 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 not to make a statement and block the person, but it's right. for yourself. It's so that the temptation isn't even there. Right. I think that's a good way to approach it. Okay, this next one comes from Lauren. Lauren says, I have a shitty job. My boss is a witch, but I have major student loan debt to pay off. I'd really love to go back to school, but money's tight. Help me, help me, help me. Mm. I mean, definitely send your resume to Elite Daily if you (laughs) want me to help you. We'll see. Uh, But no, I think, you know, my advice would be there's other jobs out there. And even if you feel like you still need to, you know, work for another year or so or whatever that time period may be, uh, you should probably get out of this job that's making you, you know, so unhappy. Um, Yeah, and and like I said before, just not necessarily what's your dream job, but what are some, you know, environments you'd want to work in, places that look interesting to you, and just reach out, you know, on a personal, casual level, say that you're interested, send your resume along, uh, and if you get yourself out there enough, you know, good things will happen. Have you ever been, had like a really shitty job? Um, yeah, actually a few. Uh, Toys R Us in high school was literally hell that on earth. That just sounds awful. That was bad. And then <laughs> I also, actually after graduating, when I was really struggling to find, you know, a job in media or writing, I worked at GNC in a mall. So just selling like vitamins. Vitamins. Oh my God. That's my and... dream job. I love vitamins. Yeah. Like I it's geek a... out over vitamins. You have no idea. Yeah. But retail will kill any dream. Oh yeah. I'll pass. So. <laughs> I know. My mom always says that shitty jobs build character. So and I'm, she's I'm literally thankful for them. And she's literally done like every job. Like she's been like a school bus driver. One time she literally pulled up to my house in the school bus to pick me up so we could go to lunch together. I'm like, does the school even know you wow. have this? And she's <laughs> like, no, it's fine. They think I'm on a run. And I'm like, you're crazy. That's awesome. I respect that though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you definitely have to. Do you have a favorite job? Sometimes. Favorite job? I yeah, mean, previous. Oh, previous to elite. Um, there was a Un- period underwear writer. Very, uh, well, within that period when I finally did pick up a few freelance jobs, uh, that was fun. I mean, I was barely paying rent, but to just be able to, you know, wake up, be your own boss to an extent, um, and just you know get as many assignments as possible, and you know write for different publications. Uh, that was a good time. That that taught me a lot about. You know, I think time management, um, staying organized, things like that. So tell me about your underwear writing job. <laughs> that was a bit, that was That's one of my favorite hysterical. Stories, I, I mean, I don't know if I could commit to that. I don't know if yeah. I could realistically be handed a pair of underwear to test out and then have to write 200 words. It, I think when, you know, your desire to do something, you know, trumps what that you know, actual task is like for me, it was just, 
I just needed to be a writer. I, I was writing for a failing site before then, and even though I was, you know, making pennies, it didn't matter because I was a professional writer and I could, you know, go out and confidently say I'm a professional writer and, you know, I knew that, or at least I hoped that that was the start of, you know, things to come where I could, you know, work within that space for a long time. Uh, I got a call one day from my boss, very abrupt, uh, and he just said, you know, website's out of money, so, you know, sorry, goodbye, uh, and that was that. There went my internet job. Uh, so there was a period where I just really struggled to do anything but go back to, you know, a GNC or a Toys R Us. And again, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I was just, I wanted to be a writer. I didn't right. want to feel like a, I was going back. You had a career that you were aiming for and you had, you know, goals to get there. Exactly. And pushing so, vitamins wasn't going to help. Nah, unfortunately, <laughs> no. Got some, some good material out of that. But, uh, yeah, so... I probably applied to like hundreds of places on Craigslist and, you know, all these job sites. And of course the one thing that I got back, one thing I see in my inbox is for a men's underwear website. And I was desperate enough at that point that, uh, you know, anything, whatever is going to pay me to put words on paper, I'll do it. So it was, I mean, exactly. And, you know, you read the story, it ended up being, you know, very small. The interview was in a guy's apartment uh, I kind of had to fake my way into pretending like I even cared about men's underwear, which I didn't know the first thing about. And I just took on this assignment to, you know, write about and test out this, you know, new uh, like boxer brief that wasn't even available to the public. And I'm walking around my apartment, you know, in these boxers thinking like, what could I possibly say, you know, about this underwear? But I was, again, just, the desire that I had to be a writer, um, I did everything in my power to write that the is best tenacity words about that and underwear. determination. <laughs> like that is commitment. Yeah, and I think I mean I don't want to I don't want to ruin the story for anyone, but you know there there's a lesson learned there too where yeah. there, there's only you know so much that you know you can fake or so far outside of your you know expertise that you could go because you also you know you want to do a quality job as well. Absolutely. Okay, next question comes from Eli. Eli says, newly single, trying to get back out there. Any advice? I think you can pull from your pickup artist days. <laughs> I know. The thing is, I don't, I don't recommend that. Although <laughs> it, did, it did work. Um, yeah, pickup pick up artistry is... That's, that's a weird space. But yeah, I mean... <sighs> Yeah, you just got to be yourself. I think uh, the the one takeaway from that, and that's another story in the book, where uh, me and my friend at the time we had gotten out of you know, long relationships, and we started studying all these pickup artist books and all these controversial tactics. Um, but you know, one positive takeaway from that was just do not fear rejection. You know, you go up to anyone in you know a bar on the street, wherever it may be. Um, if you do get rejected, if you're genuine, if you're yourself, if you just try to strike up a conversation and you get rejected, nothing's changing in that moment. You walk away and, you know, you're the same person. You have your health, you have your friends, you have your family, you have your job, like nothing in your world has changed. And, you know, it's just that fear of rejection that, you know, holds us back. And that applies to a lot of things in life, obviously not just dating, Uh, but to be able to start, you know, overcoming that and putting yourself out there more, uh, it just, you know, it just becomes so much easier to, 
know, communicate with people, approach people in general. And I think you'll realize that people are a lot more willing to you know, get to know you and strike up a conversation um, than you would think. Yeah, so that that myth about confidence, you know, being the key to to success, that's actually true. Yeah, no, I, I think so. <laughs> and for Eli, he could do the uh, false fails, just do the three second test. So it's, you see someone that you want to approach on the street, mm-hmm. and like it's like a game for yourself. You have three seconds, go and say something to them, and it has to be within that three seconds because anything longer, you start creating all these scenarios in your head and, you know, assume that rejection is going to come. yourself, yeah. Three seconds and yeah, magic, magic could happen. All right. Okay. So I want to close out with the round of swipe left, swipe right. So it's a playoff of Tinder. So I'm going to throw some points at you and you can either swipe left saying you're not into it or swipe right saying that you are into it. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. So the first one is bad sex. Can you ever recover from it or is it just, you just got to move on, pick up your underwear and move on? Uh, I think you have to give it a chance. I think that you can recover from it if it's bad the first time. Um, But after, you know, a second or third try, if it's not working, it's not working. Yeah, sometimes there's just no compatibility. Exactly. And you can't fix, I mean, if, I don't know, is it really because the other person's bad? Or what if it's like you're bad? Like that's, (laughs) I don't know. Now I'm overthinking this. I went past the three second rule. I'm thinking way too much about it. Okay, uh, next one, James Franco syndrome. So you talk about this in the book, and James Franco, and I was literally texting my friend about it as I was reading the chapter, telling her, I think I have James Franco syndrome, which Mm -hmm. is basically when, like, because nobody knows that James Franco's written several books, and he has multiple degrees, and he's, you know, a professor at USC, and, and has a degree from Yale, and is a producer and an actor, and he, like, has a million different credits. So I want to know... James Franco syndrome, healthy or unhealthy, left or right? I'm going to say right. I think it's healthy, but okay. I think within that, you you do eventually have to find a balance. You don't want to spread yourself too thin, but I, I just really don't see why if you have multiple interests, you know, you can't pursue, pursue it all simultaneously. Yeah. Is it borderline perfectionism? Because I feel yeah. like I totally, like, I am, like, so bad at that. Like, I am a total perfectionist, and I, like, obsess over not failing. Right. I For me, it absolutely was, I think, at the time of writing that story. And when I started becoming, you know, self-aware enough to understand that uh, maybe I was being a little too hard on myself. But I think in a positive light, it's really just a matter of, you know, for example, if you're a creative person, um, you don't have to define yourself to, to one thing. Um, I mean, you know, look at you, you've obviously written books and you have a podcast and you don't have to just, uh, stick to, you know, one outlet and, you know, just perfect that. I think you could be great at a lot of different things. Completely agree. Okay. And the last one is technology breakups. Do you do them? Do you think we should do them? You know, put our phone away, take a break and live IRL. Yeah, I think I think uh everyone should break up with technology even if it's for even if it's for a couple hours. Um I recently But like that's my most committed relationship is with my iPhone. It totally is and I I don't think anything could change that to be honest. <laughs> um but I think I think it's like the small moments. Like the other day I saw, you know, a movie alone for probably the second time in my life and like it's just, you know, finding moments like that where you kind of can be with yourself or you're maybe forced to keep your phone in your pocket. Yeah. Uh, I don't think, I think if you 
try to go all in and it becomes too extreme and you say, I'm going to go a week without, you know, Twitter or Instagram. I think that's too much. And that's, you know, you're setting yourself up for fit for failure, but you know, just find those small moments throughout the day or, you know, plan for an hour a week or something like that. But it's definitely good to disconnect. Absolutely. Okay. Now I want to go back to your email to Mark Cuban. Yes. So you basically wrote him asking him for his advice. So I want to reverse the roles a little bit and you're going to be the Mark Cuban in this situation. What advice would you give? My advice would be not to take any advice you get too seriously. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I think, well, I think for me in, in that story and kind of the lesson I was able to pull out of that was I was just seeking something so, you know, something that would be so permanent in my life, just kind of this all, like, almighty sentiment that was, of course, going to come from Mark Cuban. And, uh, you know, from reading it, it, funny enough, what he wrote back to me isn't something I necessarily agree with. It wasn't, you know, anything profound. It was, you know, something that, okay, I, I could respect that opinion. I'll, you know, kind of pocket that. Uh, but there's, you know, you could, you could take pieces of advice, speak to as many people that you look up to as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but don't think that there's, you know, just going to be that, uh, one piece of advice that you get, that's just going to, you know, determine, you know, how you view the world or your profession or whatever you do. So yeah, definitely don't, don't take advice too seriously, but still seek it. I like that. Thank you guys for listening to Hashtag No Filter. The book is called The Art of Living Other People's Lives by Greg Dybeck from Running Press. It is on sale January 3rd, 2016, but you can order it right now on Amazon. Go pre-order it. It's really good. I loved it. I'm actually going to buy it when it's actually on sale. I have the e-copy, but I'm, I'm going to buy a hard copy because when I like a book, I buy both. Um, Greg, what are your social media handles so people can follow you? It is at Greg Dybeck, uh, G-R-E-G-D-Y-B-E-C. So that's the same across all of them. Awesome. Follow at Greg Dybeck. You can follow me at Just Plain Zach. And don't forget to listen and subscribe to Hashtag No Filter every Wednesday on iTunes. And if you have an Android because you're not cool enough to have an iPhone, you can listen to it on Stitcher or always at thenetworkstudios.com. And don't forget to check out Elite Daily. It's every day with lots of cool articles so go and check them out and don't forget to grab a copy of greg's book the art of living other people's lives i will be back next week thank you guys for listening to hashtag no filter i gotta go bye